You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is my Southwestern colleague, Dr. Justin Buchanan, who uh, grew up in the Appalachian Mountains in uh, Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, he married his wife, Sarah, in 2003, and they have a tribe of five boys. And we have him here today to talk about preaching and youth ministry. Uh, Justin's experience in pastoral ministry has been as a church planner. He's been a lead pastor, but he's also been a student pastor, a middle school pastor, and a children's director in, in churches. Uh, and so he comes to us having a sense not only of what the lead pastor, senior pastor does in the pulpit, but also what happens on the rest of the pastoral team. Uh, Justin, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here today. Uh, First question is, how can the senior pastor contextualize his sermons uh, to make sure that in addition to the older adults or people his age, that he's also uh, talking to the students in his congregation? That's a great question. You know, I begin with by saying that the text of Scripture has a meaning, but many applications. Uh, we talk about this in courses and conversations on teaching and preaching the Word of God. And so, um, as the pastor is thinking about preaching to the congregation, thinking about how he makes application, the contextualization of the text. And so, a number of things I, I think a pastor, as a lead pastor, can do is, first of all, just know that students are going to be in the congregation. I think sometimes it's easy for the pastor to merely consider that people his age or perhaps older are going to be there and forget that, and to consider as he's studying and preparing, what does this text, uh, how does the meaning of this text apply to the students that are going to be there? I think another thing that a pastor can do is prioritize the relationship with those that are serving as a, a student pastor. We can talk about that maybe with another question later, but student pastors need senior pastors, and conversely, senior pastors need student pastors. And if that relationship is solid and the senior pastor seeks to invest in that, he'll learn a lot and get his fingers on the pulse of what's happening among those young people, and that will better enable him to be able to contextualize those sermons. And something that I think a senior pastor can easily do is just spend time among the young people in the church. Sometimes I think a senior pastor senses a bit of animosity in some cases and doesn't feel like he's welcome to be around the teenagers. Or perhaps maybe the student pastor doesn't want him around, maybe thinks he's just there checking up on him. But if a senior pastor would just spend time to uh, periodically go and be among the teenagers, whether that's with an event or a trip or just in one of their regular Bible studies, and just hear the questions they're asking or in the informal times before and after, just ask them about life, what's going on in their life, uh, what are their plans, what are their goals, what classes are they taking, um, just what are their struggles, how can he pray for them. He'll learn a lot of information that will help him as he's preparing and planning sermons to take and contextualize those for those that are listening in the congregation who are of that next generation. And a final thing I would probably offer is reading about the next generation. Uh, there's a number of books that are being written, even especially more so today. Um, Tom and Jess Rayner wrote a book on the millennials. James Emery White recently 
uh, published a book on Generation Z, which is regarding the youngest of the millennials. And those books give us an insight into a lot of the research that's being done. And he can learn a lot about the next generations and the young people that are sitting in that congregation that are listening to his sermons through reading some of those great sources. Maybe he could chat with one of the teenagers while they're showing him how to open a new app on his phone. <laughs> Absolutely, or to use that phone. So, Well, okay, you mentioned the relationship between the senior pastor and student pastor. Uh, elaborate on that just a little bit. How, how do the two of them work together to communicate uh, Scripture to teens? Yes. I'll say first that research has been done, and a number of student pastors have been asked what was some of the primary reasons for their departure from a staff role, and the majority of them noted, in addition to finances and the compensation that often came with the position, that it was conflict among staff and primarily with a senior pastor. So the fact that there is uh, research that supports that there's a strained relationship often uh, between the senior pastor and a student pastor tells us that they may not often be working in partnership to communicate well. And I believe it begins by the two of them understanding that they are both vital and part of the same uh, teaching and preaching ministry of the local church, and they both serve a, a part and a role in raising up that next generation. Uh, the pastor is going to be regularly standing before the congregation and those young people in that congregation to open the Word of God and to expose them to the truth of what God has stated. So as much as the student pastor and the pastor can forge a strong relationship between the two of them, and then to be, ha be having dialogue and conversation together, um, talking about where the senior pastor may be planning his preaching so that perhaps the student pastor can think through, if he's preaching in this direction, then what can I do that will complement what he's doing? Or conversely, as the senior pastor may be wanting to focus on the next generation, he can understand where his student pastor is preaching and teaching, and they can talk about issues, and they can talk about where the beliefs and the young people are in the congregation and how to best be considering them in the midst of the overall teaching ministry and the ministry of the Word within the church. Um, often, uh, I, I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but it's certainly something that I hear that, that often preaching— in, in youth ministry tends to be more more moralistic rather than a, a, the kind of serious adult treatment of a text that uh, we normally think of as text-driven preaching. Well, how, if, if that's so, how, how can that change among student pastors? I think you've made a right assessment, and largely I think we came to realize that through the, the greatest a single study of youth and religion that was conducted. Christian Smith and the research team out of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill conducted a study on youth and religion. And out of that, they came to identify that most church teenagers have a belief system that is not Orthodox Christianity. They termed it moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm -hmm. And so to your very wow. question... Ooh, that the, the, the whole... Every... Word in that makes me shiver. Absolutely. So what they came to realize was that most teenagers hold to this belief system that had five major tenets. And we won't get into that at this moment, but the title moralistic therapeutic deism was what they codified or identified this belief system as. And what that 
revealed for us was that most of our teaching and faith that we're passing on to young people has been more focused on moralism, more on how we feel better about ourselves, and regarding a God who is not the God who has revealed himself in Christ and through his word. And so um, one of the really earth-shaking things that Christian Smith and the team said was that young people got these beliefs primarily from their parents, that teenagers usually reflect the faith of their parents. So then you just start asking the next question, where did the parents get this faith? Then you have to, at some point, begin to look at the church and say, the church has given us this anemic, unorthodox faith that operates under the title Christianity, but is anything but Christian. So to to answer how do we address that, student pastors need to return, along with their pastors, to a conviction that the greatest need of teenagers is spiritual. Uh, as A.W. Tozer said, if we are the handiwork of God, then it stands to reason that our greatest need is theological, and that we need the spiritual uh, need is the greatest need. And so instead of looking at what is the physical need of young people or the behavioral need or the psychological, and so moralistic preaching has often looked at, well, what's their behavioral need or what's their emotional need? Instead of looking at them as they, they have a need spiritually that is deeper and greater than anything else and preach the word of God to meet that spiritual need in Jesus Christ. Uh, in addition to that, preaching through the texts, uh, because we're merely picking off things that we're preaching, because we want to uh, appease parents who may be concerned and breathing down the neck of the student pastor saying, you know, I, I'm really concerned that my son's going to start doing drugs or he's going to get his girlfriend pregnant or he's going to, whatever the topic might be or the, the behavior. And so sometimes student pastors perceive these felt needs or what are behavioral issues, and they begin to speak to those. And because they don't walk diligently and faithfully through a text, it begins to borderline on moralism, on just how to be a better person or how to do the right things, devoid of the fact that once a person's changed by Christ from the inside out, behavior will follow. Um, and I would encourage student pastors to always remember and prioritize the role of the Holy Spirit, that trust that the Holy Spirit is able to deal with the students and with their parents. It doesn't matter what text you're preaching. If you'll just be faithful to the text and faithful to exalt Christ and the Word of God, the Spirit of God will take His Word through His power, and He will minister it to their hearts, and He'll convict where there needs to be conviction. He'll exhort where there needs to be exhortation. It doesn't mean that we don't have a role, but sometimes we see our role as the primary or maybe the solo role in the preaching endeavor. Mm. Uh, I, I think one of the common misconceptions among maybe the church as a whole is that uh, uh, students, teens, high schoolers, middle schoolers, uh, that you need to take a lighter approach with them because they, they can't yet handle real deep, Orthodox biblical doctrinal preaching, but I my observation has been I I don't think that's true. But what what does your experience bear out in that, Doctor McCarty? I think that you're absolutely accurate in that assessment, and we really need not look any further than what we expect of teenagers in other places. We put them in a five A high school, and we put them in a 
championship game on the football field, and we expect them to play at a high level and do great things. We put them in AP classes, physics or um, chemistry, and we expect them to be able, be able to excel there. And yet somehow we bring them into the church and sometimes erroneously believe they can't handle this. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle the deepness of the Word of God. That's not been my experience. I think what's happened more is that we have turned deep preaching into boring preaching, and it doesn't have to be. And I think no matter what the age, if it's boring preaching, it's going to be unwelcomed preaching. I think young people are asking questions that are deep. Um, They're wanting answers that are not just superficial. And you just engage in conversation with them and talk with them, and you'll find that. And as I have walked through with students in the Word of God, what would be considered deep preaching, um, so long as you're connecting it, what, what what does this really matter in my life? The problem with deep preaching is sometimes it fails to answer the question, so what? So what about all of this deep doctrinal preaching? So what about these truths that we might say are in the Word of God? What does this have to do with my life and the fact that I, I am struggling in class or my friends have abandoned me in school or I just can't seem to get my locker open? You know, what does that have to do with any of this? And when we make that connection, boy, it, there is an excitement that, that just comes in their heart and their heart burns much like those Emmaus Road disciples when Jesus took the Old Testament and the prophets and he explained himself concerning them and it says their heart burned within them. They're not opposed to deep preaching. They just don't want it to be boring and they don't want it to be disconnected from their lives. Um, One of the things that's been very encouraging to me here is not only is our school of preaching committed to a text-driven approach to, to communicating with God's people, uh, but also in our, our practical ministries and, and church and family ministry school and our youth ministry uh, classes and programs, that that, that text-driven approach is also there. Uh, I know in the past, a lot of, of youth ministry stuff has often been topical, but I'm to talk about the, the value of, of taking students through text-driven exposition of whole books of the Bible. Uh, Absolutely. You know, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, there's that part of that Great Commission after the go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the triune God, in which he says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. If we're going to just teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded, we have to faithfully walk through the texts of Scripture in which Jesus has given his commands. But if we look at what is... uh, true among the next generation right now, it really tells us that we have failed to do text-driven and walk them through the text because uh, research shows that they're biblically illiterate. Alan Jackson, who served as a longtime student ministry professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, cited a research study some years ago in which he said that uh, a number of graduating high school seniors when asked, believe Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife in the Bible. There's a biblical illiteracy. They just do not know what the Bible says. Many of them don't even know what the gospel is. We say gospel as if everyone is aware of that. And because we've not faithfully walked through the text of Scripture, they do not know what God has said, and they're biblically illiterate. George Barna even said, but they don't have a biblical worldview. 
And that's another problem when we've not been text-driven to help them to understand the truth. He said 98% of professing Christian teenagers do not have a biblical worldview. 98%. It's staggering. But in addition to not being biblically literate, they're just biblically disobedient. Josh McDowell in a research study cited that among Christian teenagers and their non-Christian counterparts, there was virtually no difference in their attitudes and actions. They simply weren't living out the truth. And that, again, comes, I believe, because we have not been faithful to the text. They don't know the truth. They're not living the truth. And when we're not helping them to see the essential nature of the Word of God and the the community of the church as the place where this theology and truth is to be wrestled with and to be understood and taught and internalized and where we're to be held accountable. It's no wonder that students grow up and then leave the church because we've not walked them through the text to understand who they are in Christ, what, what God has said and what he demands and how that is integral in the local body. And so I think in addition to those those aspects of what's the importance of text-driven preaching, there's no way to grow a healthy disciple without the Word of God. Because a disciple, in the simplest definition, is someone who is following Jesus in every area of his or her life. How can they do that if they don't know what God demands or what God expects of them? And through faithful text-driven preaching, we over time expose young people to the Word of God, what God has said, and say, this is what God demands. Now go walk in this by the power of the Spirit because He has redeemed you by His death and resurrection. Go walk in this. Mm. Wow. Um, I, you know, in listening to, uh, to you today, Justin, in this conversation, and, and most of my experience has been as a senior pastor, probably most guys in the school of preaching are, are senior pastors. But, wow, so, something that just shouts out at me is to say, hey, senior pastor, uh, your congregation includes students, and and you you've got to figure out you know how to speak to them the same way that you speak to older members of the congregation, and figure out the applications that are unique to them. And also, what shouts at me is that there that you can't see your student minister and your student ministry is simply somebody who takes care of the young people while you go do your thing with the adults. That his thing is your thing. You guys are partners to nurture the whole church. And also, uh, if you'd like to see a congregation, you know, two decades from now, <laughs> you need to be working with your student pastor now. Would, would that be a, a, a good takeaway, do you think, for a, a senior pastor listening to us this morning? Absolutely. And I, I think having been in a senior pastor role, in addition to student ministry, so often it's right that we put the emphasis on making sure we're handling the text carefully and rightly dividing the Word of God. But that hard work of then taking what we have prepared and then how does this apply to every member and every person in the congregation and maybe thinking through the generations of people or the particular situations, absolutely. And the partnership must be there because the greatest ministry that we have is the ministry of reconciliation, which comes the ministry of the Word. And uh, as you noted earlier, I believe in our education school here, it's about the ministry of the Word. We, we need to be thinking through education and understanding education as how is the Word of God taught and applied 
that we may be faithful to follow Christ. Wow. Uh, let me circle back and ask the, that study that, that had the shocking findings you spoke of earlier. Where, where would that study be available for a pastor that wanted to do some more reading uh, along those lines? Yes, the, the study was published in book form under the title Soul Searching by Christian Smith. And so that book will unpack all of their research and the data. There's been some others who have written based off of the findings of that. Kenda Creasy Dean uh, wrote uh, a book, um, Almost, Te- Almost Christian, uh, What the Faith of Our Teenagers is Telling the Church. And so she basically took the findings of that and wrote her own book, t- how she kind of interpreted those findings. But to look just at that research study and what they found, that book, Soul Searching, would be the place to go. Are there other resources that you would recommend to senior pastors wanting to connect with their students in preaching? Absolutely. There's a few books that I think would be helpful. Um, There's a book uh, edited by uh, Scott Gibson, Preaching to a Shifting Culture. And um, within that, there are chapters with connecting with your congregation and preaching to the whole church. And much what you mentioned as a takeaway here uh, may be a resource. Um, there are some others uh, preaching to a, a skeptical age. I think Timothy Keller uh, wrote a book or Al Moeller. And many of our professors here are through the podcast. Um, some of them through blogging and other ways are speaking to this, these same things. There's a number of resources that are out there. Um, specifically to a senior pastor, if he wants to read about the next generation, um, I would encourage him a book like James Emery White's Generation Z, or perhaps even David Kinnaman's You Lost Me, or Gabe Lyons' The Next Christians, are great resources to just kind of get a sense of what's happening with those that are downstream from from me. They're 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 younger than me. They're they're the ones that are still coming up um, under me. That would, I think, be great resources to consider uh, as they're thinking through uh, this issue. When uh, when I was serving in, in pastoral ministry, I once had uh, one of the students in, in our church uh, uh, tell me, said, Dr. McCarty said, we, we really like it that you come down and talk to us. And I said, look, I already know what a 60-something guy thinks. Uh, I, I, I want to know what you think. And, and so those conversations can be, be very helpful. Um, I, I'm going to suggest that uh, if you're a senior pastor and you've been listening to us this morning, uh, this might be a podcast that would be good for you and your student minister to sit down and listen to together. And uh, take this as an opportunity to open a conversation with your student pastor and to say, hey, how, help me and how can I help you? So, I think that would be good. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been uh, Dr. Justin Buchanan, uh, professor here at Southwestern Seminary. We've been talking about preaching and students, and uh, I pray that you, Pastor, would be a faithful shepherd of all your people, including your students. Uh, Dr. Buchanan, thank you for being with us today. Thank you.